Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK Show. On tonight's show, I'm joined by my regular guests, Najee Kura. Hello. Hello, everyone. Gareth Ellis. Hello. And Paul Hope. Hi, guys. Okay, so tonight we are not going to be discussing who we take at pick three, because I think we're all fed up with all the speculation, um, some of the crappy comments from some of the beat writers who follow the 49ers. So we're going to give um, pick number three a miss, and we're actually going to concentrate on picks 43, 102, and 117, which are rounds two, three, and four. So we're not going to discuss any trades in those rounds or for those picks, either trading up, trading back, whatever. We're only going to talk about who we think might be available at those picks and who we think we should actually pick there. So let's move on to pick number 43. So this is at the top end of the second round. And Naji, over to you. Who do you go for? I mean, obviously, we're doing this assuming not going too crazy, as you said earlier uh, to us off air. Uh, we don't assume somebody like Cal Pitts might drop into the second round. Exactly. Uh, or, you, you know, one of those top prospects. Um, so we've been realistic. Um, I've got two names. Uh, I think it is possible they could be there, although one of them I'm not so sure. Um one of them is Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. Uh, I would absolutely love to have him. I think he's a game changer. Um, and we, we can talk uh, more about him if you want when other guys have given their names. And the second guy, and I think that's more consensus, uh, he's a cornerback. And that's Asante Samuel Jr. Um, I think there's a high chance he could be there. It's quite a top-heavy cornerback class. So I have my hopes. I always like a guy who has family in the game because they they kind of understand what it takes to be uh, to be good at you know being a pro and I think we all remember Asante Samuel being a very good safety uh, slash corner slash uh, defensive back um, for the Eagles mainly um, and yeah uh, one of those two I, I think would be ecstatic. So I think what we'll do is if anybody's got those players, actually, let, let's discuss those players. First of all, the first question is, um, Gareth, Paul, have either one of you picked Najee Harris or Asante Samuel Jr.? No. No, no I, I, I agree with <laughs> Najee. Harris was on my list, but I'm not sure he'll fall out. But no, I've gone a different route. Okay, so what, what I'll say is um, I pick 43, Najee Harris. I, I don't think we'll take a running back purely because we get such value from undrafted free agents. I don't think we, we'd spend a, a second-round pick unless you thought he was a, a generational-type running back. I think yeah, Najee Harris is good, but I don't think he's a generational-type running back, to be honest. I think he is. That's probably why. So we'll agree to disagree on that. But what <laughs> I will say is, I mean, I, I'm not in the position to tell you who a generational running back is. Um, just looking at the reviews I've seen of Najee Harris, it, it just doesn't give us that type of feel that he's a generational type um, running back. And with um, Samuel Jr., what I have noticed the past week or so is he's dropping down the boards quite rapidly. He started off being projected to go up pick 33, and I think he's down into the 80s or 90s now. 
Okay. So that is interesting. I don't know what's happened there. I don't know if it's a, if it's a personality thing, whether or not he's had a bad workout. But yeah, he, he's not as high up on mock draft boards as what he was just a few weeks ago. I just thought it would be the the, the, the old man out, out of uh, Caleb Farley and Sertain and JC Horn. Um, I think that's kind of the top four, isn't it? Those four guys. And I think you'll, yeah, he's the one dropping. I think Farley is. Uh, is dropping too. I think I just think we need a corner. We're really not deep at corner. Uh, we basically have two. I uh, don't really count uh, Dante Johnson as uh, obviously Williams is in the slot, so doesn't count. But you know we on we've we've got JV and Eman. But if if one of those guys go down, then I think we're in big trouble. So getting a rookie and JV is going next year probably into a big contract somewhere else. So we we're gonna need somebody. So corner. Did you guys get a corner? Paul, Gareth? Yeah, I've got a corner on my list. Um, I mean, like Lee said off air, the, it's been a nice break from the first round conversation. And I do think we'll have some nice options in the second. For cornerback, Nadji, I'm stuck between two. They both play for the same team, both played for Georgia. Tyson Campbell or Eric Stokes. And after watching bits, I'm, I'm a bit stuck. I'm not sure which one. I think Campbell slightly quicker the both put some great times the George's pro day last month um and like you said you know we've locked in Verrett, Mosley, Williams but they're all under six foot Tyson Campbell's six foot one 193 pounds you know his speed so either of them two I'll be quite happy with um what about you Gareth have you got a corner on your list or I I really struggle with this for the second round because I think you're absolutely right we 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 need to get a new corner uh, in the building. It's somewhere where we we certainly need to strengthen. But but I looked at the roster and the one position that I don't know who we've got at, at all at the moment is slot receiver. So I went for Elijah Moore, uh, wide receiver from Mississippi, I think. And it's yeah, I think I'm very happy to take a corner there. But I, I went wide receiver because it's purely it's the one gap I think we've got in the roster. It's the one position where I've got kind of no idea who's necessarily going to be playing in the slot for us now. Um, it's a deep cornerback class. Maybe we can we can pick someone up uh, a bit later. Or uh, I know we shouldn't be talking about trades, but I'm I'm happy on the night if we if we take less players and move move up into certainly the third round um, to get some of these guys as well. So that that's really why I went for for receiver, uh, and I think it's it's possible there's the, these guys who are who are talked about as first round picks. It happens every year. Somebody, a team goes another direction, and someone who's projected to pick twenty twenty five falls into the second round. So uh, I, I'm hopeful um, we may be able to pick somebody up there. But I'd also be very happy with corner. Yeah, when you said that, Gareth, sorry, Najee, you jumped in. I, I looked at edge rusher as well. Because like mm. you said, Gareth, you think, you know, 43, you know, I know um, D Ford restructured his contract, but I, I think he's an afterthought. And I know we've got the lad from the Rams, Samsung Ibukam, if I pronounce that right. Yeah. He's never rushed the pass a full time. So I'm wondering if we're going to go down that route. And like Gareth said there, in a dream world, Jalen Phillips, Miami falls in the second round to me. On paper, he looked like the best defensive player in the draft. Um, he had his pro day on Monday and it was just jumped off the page. But I believe he won't fall down. So I was looking at Joe Tyron from Washington as an Ed Rusher. Shanahan visited the campus during off-season. 
Um, we had people around his pro day. Um, I just wonder whether we're going to go down that way, you know, edge rusher at 43 or a cornerback at 43. So I didn't look at wide receiver like Gareth's done. So I'm intrigued to know which way Lee has gone at pick number 43. So I, I actually agree with Gareth. So I've gone with Elijah Moore. Um, whether or not he's going to be there at 43 is debatable. I think he's more than likely going to be gone by then. But if he is available at 43, I think we should take Elijah Moore. Because, to be honest, I mean, looking at his stats, he excels at everything. The only question mark is his height, because he's only five foot nine. Um, but from what I've seen on the highlights on YouTube and from what I've read, he's going to be an excellent uh, receiver and receiver in the slot, which is what we need. Obviously, we brought in Mohamed Sanu, but I don't think he's a long-term option. I think we brought him in basically do the same thing as last year, just to cover us in that slot position while we figure out what we're going to do there. It could be that we use uh, J1 Jennings, who was on the practice squad last season. But That's I don't really, say, yeah. yeah, but I don't really think he's going to play in the slot. I think he, he'll sub for either Ayuk or Debo out wide. Um, so, yeah, Elijah Moore, I will take if he's at 43. But I also had two cornerbacks down. Well, actually, one is technically a safety, um, but he'll fill the slot cornerback role, the, the nickel role. And that's Elijah Molden from the Washington Huskies. Um, he's listed as a safety, but he's going to fill the slot role. And I think he's a, he would be a good pick to take over from Williams once he leaves next season, because I think he will. I think he'll get a decent contract next season. Um, the other one, so I'll split between Elijah Molden and Yvonne Holland. So Yvonne Holland, he's a ball hawk out of Oregon, as Nadji would know. Um, absolutely broke my heart actually picking an Oregon player, but I did it anyway because he is, he's a ball hawk. Um, I, I think he had the potential to be a late first round pick. And I think what's hurt that uh, potential to be a late first round pick is the fact that he opted out from 2020. So there's no stats for him for this year. But his first two years as a starter, he looked excellent. Um, but for me, if Elijah moves there at 43, I think we need to take him because that'll just kind of tip us over the top as far as um, our receiving call goes. I agree. Um, it, yeah, so basically we kind of all agree it's it's either going to be corner or, or wide receiver. Um, I will say, though, that it wouldn't surprise me, and Gareth, you said it, it and, and Paul, you said it too, it wouldn't surprise me if we went D-line because that's kind of what we do, isn't it? And we are sort of short on, on the edge rusher. Um, it, it's only Bossa, and he's obviously coming back from major major injury. And uh, boy, am I happy to see him run the way he does on Twitter at the moment. Uh, I urge everybody to go and have a look at his workout. He, he looks pretty much full speed already. Yeah, I've which seen is, that. He looks good. He looks already very good, which is which is awesome. Um, Let's let's see when he puts on a bit more weight because uh, he's probably dropped a bit to be able to rehab. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if we went for 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 an edge rusher. I I don't think Jalen Phillips is going to drop out of the first. He's he's too good and too talented. Uh, I think he's better than Gregory Russo, um, which could be somebody that drops to the second. Um, that Miami D line was insane, and I think they kind of all, all fed off each other. Um, and that's why they're all shining up the draft board. But um, Russo, I think, and Phillips didn't play last year. They all opted out, which might have hurt them a, bit, a little bit and they might drop. But I don't think Phillips will. He's too big, too fast and too strong and technically sound already as well, uh, which which is 
impressive coming out of college. Um, but yeah, I think I think we all agree. Um, we need corner, we need wide receiver, and we'll probably draft a D-Day. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, there's talk that Ronald Blair might resign. So that, oh yeah, that's true. That as well. So uh, and you know if he does, it'll be great to see him back on the team. I think so. You've just yeah. nicked me forty nine news for the end, Gareth. Sat down. It took, though, a, it took us at least a minute to make a note of that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a minute. I'm not getting back. No getting back. Um, Jalen Hurd is supposed to be playing maybe at some point. You know, you could be yeah. playing from the slot. Um, not. Not really sure uh, what his role is going to be. Um, I know Debo and Ayuk can play from the slot. I don't think we need essentially a slot, you know, like uh, Julian Edelman and those kind of possession slot receiver. I think we we kind of need blockers on the edge. So it wouldn't surprise me if Jaron Jennings, which is a big dude, and Jalen Hurd could actually, you know, be on the active roster and play the slot, in which case we, we don't really need to draft this high no i i hope we i hope we see both of them this this coming mm. season and it, and it did strike me that obviously in in any sort of emergency situation then then kittle or, or use check can site can line up in the slot i just much rather see them lay in the road for whoever is is in the slot behind them so and i'm sure shanahan does as well yeah for sure okay so on to our third round pick and we have to wait a whopping 59 picks before we get there um, pick number one or two. Who are we picking with uh, that pick, Paul? I've gone for a running back at this pick. I might get his name wrong. I don't know why I put myself in knees. Um, more invested in this year's draft than I've ever been. We were saying off air, <laughs> I'm 100% staying up for it this year. Um, and I think Nancy touched on the Borsa tape. Tracy definitely enjoyed watching that the other day when we stumbled across that on Twitter. I'm not quite sure I why. why. <laughs> off and spreading around. Um, I look more like Mac Jones than Borsa, but, you know, I won't go. <laughs> so, to answer your question, 102, I'm going for a running back, Demetriac Felton from UCLA. He just He's an intriguing and versatile player. And if he slips into the third round, I just don't think Shanahan will resist. Um he was often considered a wide receiver, but he shined as a running back um, to convert him around. And I just think he's the kind of player that we built our offense around. Shifty, versatile. Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? And we know we love to use old players, creative ways. And I just think he's got the skill set to basically line up both. And that's where I went on 102. Nice. Gareth? He's next. Oh, me. Uh, <laughs> I, looked, I looked at, at corner uh, at this age since I'd, since I'd gone for receiver at, at, uh, at the second round pick. Uh, and I went for uh, Trey Brown from Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, I just have to check that, really. I'm trying to find the right mock draft out of my pile of mock drafts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trey Brown, Oklahoma. Um I must admit, it was he seemed to be he was the best available and, and may well go earlier than that. Um, there was another another guy I was looking at, but he, he generally goes a little bit earlier, and that was Tay Gowan from UCF. He's good. That's yeah, good. and uh, he, again, it's just sometimes some of these guys you don't get picked by the team that needs a corner, and the next twenty teams that pick aren't looking at corner, so suddenly 
someone can can drop quite rapidly simply because of of the needs of the teams around them so you never know I think at, the, at this stage it's so difficult to know who's actually going to be left because there will be surprises and some people will drop so um, I, I'm hoping with the depth in the, the cornerback class, we'll be able to pick somebody up at, at that sort of stage of the third round who can who can come in and, and learn quickly and, and be there uh, when needed. Fair enough. Um, I had a look at two positions. Uh, I went for a wide receiver first uh, because I picked a corner in in a second. So kind of flipped the, flipped the tape on what Gareth did. But um I think Dax Milner out of BYU. Uh, I watched a bunch of him because I was watching Zach Wilson, and he had an extremely good season. I think he's he's a big, big, strong dude that can kind of do what Debo and and Ayuk do. He, he can stretch the field, but he's also not afraid of contact and can you know get some yak if he needed to and catch in traffic. So um, obviously the, the opposition they play at BYU is a bit of a concern, and would it Maybe that wouldn't transition very well in the in the NFL, but I think he, he would be a, a good addition. But the other position I've looked at is guard because we're really short, especially on the left side. Uh, I think if Tomlinson uh, picks up an injury, which he's not been prone to, but you, you never know. Um, we don't really have anybody to play left guard, um, so um, I've just picked the best guard that I found, which was uh, Kendrick Green out of Illinois. Um, so. Um, uh, I mean, I just wanted to play um, an alignment at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting Me? because I've got Kendrick Green uh, in me notes as well. Not as the pick, though. So he was okay. the other person. So the person I would pick, and again, if they're there, I, I do have a feeling that they're going to go before one or two. But if Paulson Adebo from Stanford, the uh, the best college in the Pac-12, is available, <laughs> then that's who, I'm, that, that, that's who I'm taking at one or two because he's got great size and length. His first two years were excellent. He, he sat out 2020, which I think has basically dropped him down the draft a little bit. Um, the only concern I have is his tackling is a weakness. Um, he misses a lot of tackles. Well, when I say he misses a lot of tackles, what was it? I think he's missed 12 tackles out of 44. But, I mean, that's 25% of tackles. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's a little bit of weakness there. But he, he does look he, he does look like a really good corner. And I think he can easily be um, he can easily be trained a coach to increase his tackling, improve his tackling. Um, so, yeah, if Paulson Adebo is, a, is available at one or two, that's who I'll take. If not, I'd be looking to take Kendrick Green because... Like Najee said, I think he's one of the best guards in the uh, in the draft, and I, I think not only does he add quality depth to the O line, there's a very good chance he could end up as a starter fairly quickly as well. Yeah, yeah, we could you know shift um, shift a big contract and get a rookie in there. That's always helpful to you know give big contracts to people we absolutely need to keep, like like Bossa and and Warner and Greenlaw and all of these people there. Yeah, definitely. I did look at him late, but I did think the Stanford connection, you might lean that way because he's, uh, <laughs> like you said, sitting out a year, I was worried that might hurt him. That's what put me off. But you probably know more about him than me because you are obviously a big Stanford fan. So I'm I mean, glad you mentioned his name. 
it's the second time we mentioned, the third time we mentioned 2020 as, you know, people either opting out or not playing a lot. Like some, somebody like Trey Lance has played one one game last year just because of scheduling was a nightmare. I don't, I know, it hurts your stock if you haven't played a little bit. I think it also shows quite a lot of, you know, uh, maturity to say, I, I'm not playing, it's too dangerous for my family or yeah. we don't know the, you know, the whatever circumstance those people have decided not to play why uh, maybe you know they live with their grandparents or maybe they have somebody with asthma in their family or something and i think we yes footballistically it's not great because you you're a year away from the game but these are kids that have been playing since they're five year old and it's not like they're missing an nfl season where the speed is elite and they've just missed a college year where you know they're still had to take classes and i'm sure they still worked really hard in the gym and all that so uh, i i don't know how much it's going to hurt them if anything it's it's an extra year your body doesn't take abuse from um so maybe especially for those guards and and those you know tackling people uh, the edge rusher and all that um, in the trenches maybe it's actually a good thing um I don't yeah know. Well, I've, only time will tell this is obviously very unprecedented <laughs> Okay, so on to the fourth round, and we go from having a really long wait to quite a short wait. Um, actually, only 15 picks, and then we're on the clock again at 117. So this is our first, yeah, this is our first fourth round pick, in fact, our only fourth round pick. Gareth, who did you go for in the fourth round? I've gone for a uh, safety, uh, just to keep Najee happy. Uh, Jamie and Sherwood. Yeah from Auburn, mostly because it's just a fantastic name. Um, <laughs> at, at this sort of stage, I mean, the, the, suddenly the, the difference of separation between players you're looking at is, you know, it's very difficult to evaluate and you just don't know who's going to be left. So I've really just looked into what kind of positions do we need? And I think safety is somewhere where we could we could do with that little bit of extra competition. And of course, some of these guys who are listed at safety, you know, we, we need somebody to cover... Uh, K1 Williams in the slot, perhaps. Um, we need someone with a little bit of versatility. We need somebody to be playing special teams. I think it would be a, a, a sort of a good position in the in the draft where we should be able to take a, a guy that we can uh, uh, polish up for a season, put him on special teams, maybe maybe a play here and there, uh, and have him really sort of compete for uh, a roster spot down the line. Yeah, I felt exactly the same. I just took somebody else. Um, exact same reason as you mentioned. I just picked uh, Jamal Johnson out of Indiana. Uh, mostly because I kind of fell in love with the guy watching. There's a stream on, I don't know if people know about Brett Coleman. Uh, he's a YouTuber. He does film analysis, which I think is very, very good. And he did a uh, four-hour stream where he analyzed uh, Justin Fields' game against Indiana. And Jamal Johnson made his life miserable he looked absolutely awesome um so uh, i picked him up now um indian has got a kind of a weird defense which is very smart and very pro ready so as you said like gareth said um somebody that can compete and maybe you know move jimmy ward out of the spotlight out of your spotlight perhaps <laughs> perhaps yes who'd you go for paul crosshairs well, i think on the spotlight isn't it <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just interesting listening because I think we've all 
gone down a similar route. We're, we're looking at positions, and like, like Gallagher said, you're getting to pick one one seven. Um, and I'm torn between: do I go for a wide receiver because my earlier picks have addressed some other needs? So the receiver I've got in mind is Amir Smith Marset from Iowa. I think it's time we selected a Hawkeye around this round. Keep uh, you know, Kittle happy. Um, it just he looked like a good return man. Uh, I've seen some highlights of his. He ran a 4-4-3, 40-yard dash, uh, you know, jumped 37 in the vertical. And I thought he'd be a good fit for the slot. That said, I also thought, I know I've gone kind of cornerback heavy on this one. I was looking at um, Carrie Vincent Jr. from LSU. I don't think he's got that quite elite trait the others have got that we're looking at. But maybe, obviously, number three, we're going down one route. Where before we were looking at number twelve, would we be picking one of the you know higher cornerbacks? And you said it before, uh, Nanji. It's basically one of the most heavily predicted picks is cornerback, and this draft there's quite a lot of them. So I'm torn between the two. So what about you, Lee? Where are you going with one one seven? So I've gone off on a complete tangent um, compared to the rest <laughs> of you here. So, uh, I, I picked a punter, didn't you? How did you guess? <laughs> I, I think it's still a need. But it's possibly not as much of a need to take in the fourth round. But I, I think this guy is versatile. I, I, th- I think he's more than just a tight end. So I've come with Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. And he's got great run blocking um, skills. He's rated quite highly or very highly as far as uh, run blocking is concerned. But I think he can easily convert to a fullback um, based off what PFF says. And that means we could sub Juice if sub uh, if Juice gets injured. And if you've seen any of the stats from when Juice wasn't playing last season or the season before, we didn't do as well on players when Juice wasn't on the field. So if we could have somebody that could step into Juice's shoes and basically do it just as well, that increases our chances of being successful on those particular players. So that's why I went with Tommy Tremble. But I did have two other players in mind as well, um, if they're available. And I think one of them would be the other one. I'm not so sure. So first of all, the one that I think will be available um, is the wide receiver Dax Mill from BYU, which is who Nadji went for at 102. And the other one is another BYU guy, and he's the tackle Bridian Christensen. So I think either one of those could be a decent pick if Tommy Tremble's not there. Yeah, we kind of all agree on on position. It's kind of interesting. We just value it differently, I guess, and pick yeah. first or second. Only time will tell. <laughs> so I must admit, I mean, I've only addressed the cornerback position once there. Well, actually, I have because based off the pick, I've obviously looked at uh, cornerback in the second round and the third round, not in the fourth round. But because I've only picked one quarter uh, cornerback um, with our pick one or two, I do have another cornerback in mind later on down the draft. And I think we'll get him anywhere between 160 and 180, possibly even 190. And that's a guy called Shaka Brown. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just think... Uh, I, I, I 100% agree we need more than one corner. I think we need depth. We need just bodies that can play. I just have this hope in my mind, and I see the, the free agent out there, that Sherman's going to resign with us. Um, I just think when it comes to to training camp after the draft, uh, we're going to make an, we're, we're going to make him an offer and say, look, come back for another year and just come and play and try and win a championship. It, 
you you clearly haven't got that much interest. Um, and if not, Casey Hayward still out there. There's still so many veteran corners that can come in and you know teach E-man and and just provide depth and and rotation, uh, different skills maybe to to you know cover all of the amazing receivers going now in our league in our division. So I agree. I just think the corner market is wide open at the moment. We pretty much guaranteed to get one one of those free agents on the cheap later on down the line um so maybe sherman yeah i've got a feeling it might be richard sherman and richard sherman was actually my second part of the uh the 49er news basically to say <laughs> richard sherman is expecting to be teamless until after the draft yeah i don't so, see i don't see why you would sign him now uh over all the free agents out there though. yeah younger uh, probably not injured because he obviously hasn't played much this year. Um, so, yeah. I I just suspect Sherman is going to back himself and he's picked his number that he's going to play for. And he can wait it out because it'll happen if, every single year. Someone will lose a cornerback in training camp or someone will lose, lose a cornerback early in the season or, or someone will have a cornerback that's not performing. And I, I suspect Sherman is just going to back himself and say, no, I'm playing for that number. And if I wait and I wait, somebody's going to come for me maybe in September or October. Uh, and then he's, then he's got all the leverage. So, uh, you know, he backed himself when he negotiated the contract with us. Um, and, and I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'd love to see him back at the Niners. But I, I think he knows he can be patient and stick to his number. That, yep. that's, that said, uh, Lee, did you see Kerry Hyder's tweets after his signing for Seattle was confirmed? No. Oh, he was like, you know, great organisation, a good fit here, only place I wanted to play. I was like, no, too soon. <laughs> unfollow, unfollow. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's the standard thing that a player would say when he's asked that yeah. type of question. Yeah. I think we'll all agree before we sign off. Like the exciting thing for this month is we don't know where the Niners are going until draft night, and all the smoke and mirrors and the noise. There's been no leaks during the Shanahan and Lynch regime, and there hasn't been any now. So I'm just really excited to see where we go. Um, you know, doing the mock drafts, doing those PFF simulators. I don't think Tracy's so happy you've introduced that into my life, Lee. I've <laughs> got to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, only, a few months. only a few moms. <laughs> you know, there, there was something I was going to mention on that, which was it's to do with the Sam Darnold trade, really. Uh, and it's for, for all the, you know, we've had a couple of poor picks with, with Solomon, Solomon Thomas, Ruben Foster, guys who haven't worked out. So so the player selection, yeah, it is, it's a crapshoot. You, you never quite know who, which guys are going to make it. If we did, you know, Brady would have been a first round pick, uh, you know, a first overall pick. Uh, so it's always a crapshoot what you're getting on the players. But I think you, you, you've said it there, Paul, they're very good at not showing our cards. But the Sam Darnold trade made me think that they phoned Carolina to gauge were they going to move off Teddy Bridgewater more than us moving off Teddy Bridgewater. So they have that conversation. They put the phone down and they say, right, the Panthers are picking a quarterback. We need to move up. And the Panthers sat there with pick eight thinking, yeah, one of these guys will, will come to us. We'll be fine. And Lynch said it in his press conference. He, he said, you've got to beat your opponents to the punch. Yep. And of course, Carolina have suddenly sat there going, ah, oh, uh, yep. Sam Darnold then. And yep. it, it just strikes me how how savvy 
they are at think I think at navigating the draft and and getting a look at your opponent's cards and keeping yours well hidden. And I think that that's one thing that perhaps hasn't or certainly it just it adds the depth of of my sort of respect for how good they are at navigating this because people concentrate on the picks and sometimes players don't work out and sometimes players lose focus or or players just don't turn out to be as good as as you expect them to be but the one thing the guys can control is how they navigate the draft system and the draft board and i think Lynch and Shanahan have shown they're very good at doing that yeah, yeah for sure i mean remember the 2017 the 2017 draft i think you know, moving down a spot and picking up, picking up some some draft capital to get the guy we wanted. I think you know um, that was that was moving around, genius. Moving around for Ayuk, moving yeah, one, absolutely. getting yeah. a little bit more in the bank, still taking Javon Kinlaw and then spending that to get Ayuk. So and ba- basically great. beating Green Bay, Green Bay to the punch again. Yeah, I think they've shown that they're very savvy in, into doing what they're doing, and I have all the confidence in the world that if we're sitting at free. There's a reason for it. It doesn't matter how much it costs us. There's a reason for it. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, at least we're not, you know, the Browns banking everything on Baker Mayfield turning out to be a good player. Or the Jet this year turning out, uh, you know, banking everything on on Zach Wilson to actually be a good player in the NFL. Uh, If that pick, and uh, I see a lot of people saying, oh, if we pick this guy, I'll be unhappy. But if that pick doesn't pan out, we still have one of the best roster in the league. And we're one quarterback away, and it 100% could be Jimmy um, to be a, a Super Bowl contender year in, year out. So I, as much as it's exciting, uh, the downfall from this pick isn't actually that big, I think. I don't know what you guys think, and we, we can talk about number three again and when we get closer to the, to the, to the draft, but... I don't think it's that big of a of a deal because no, we're not we're not in, you know we're not a pick number three because we stink we we're a pick number three because we choose to be exactly yeah. and we're exactly. we're the only we're the only Super Bowl contender in that top I'll say fourteen because I I, I feel uncomfortable discounting the Patriots at fifteen but you know no no other quarterback being being taken in that first part of the draft is going to a Super Bowl contender yeah that's right. Yeah, that's why I was going to say like Gareth said there this time last year Ayuk wasn't on any of our projected boards and you know Shanahan moved around and like you said Nachi we've said it time and time again on this pod full confidence in the front office we're happy we come on each week Lee said off air we're not experts we're all fans in the UK we've all watched a bit of film we all have the chatter we're excited for the draft like you said Nachi number three pick just see where it goes we're not going to Let's face it, what, what's it going to cost us next year, the 32 pick in the draft yeah. next year? And the year after. <laughs> so, quick question for everybody, since we're talking kind of QB, I guess. Um, what do we make of the Nate Sulphate signing? Um, it's quite, it's got kind, of a big, kind of a big contract. I don't think it is a compound. Not a one million a year. Yeah, it's a compound which, which, gar- which is guarantee. I think it means fully guaranteed. Still at number three, yeah. doesn't it, Nanji? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a million guaranteed. So I, uh, nobody I'll makes it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll check out the contract. I didn't think it was. Hands uh... like, let's get him in the room and see what he can do. Or, or I think as as Nadji said, maybe Joss Rosen has, uh, you know, been learning the playbook and he's just not where Shanahan wants him to be right now. Yeah. 
So we don't make any stock that this is us finding a trade partner for Jimmy and pulling down on draft day. I think they're covering the bases, Nadji. I think they've got the insurance policy. They've been quite clear, haven't they? Jimmy's day one starter, but if someone comes long enough as a first round pick, you know, especially on the night, you know, you know, I think like Lee said, he's a camp body. I don't think he's been signed for anything other. He's not realistically in the conversation for starter. I was kind of surprised to see it. And like you said, the kind of guaranteed money. But the way they've managed the cap this year, we've got the flexibility to do that. So let's just see what happens. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's it's the flexibility that then we've got more leverage if people do come for Jimmy. It's all about leverage. And if we have no backup available, then yeah, it's I think it just changes things, having more more cards available to play, really. Okay, so before we finish, Gareth, do you want to give us the latest news from around the NFL? Oh, uh, well, which ones have I missed? Seventeenth um, game, I suppose that's one thing we haven't mentioned. Um, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing that struck me is your your in division games are so important because that's really who you're competing with to make the playoffs. And having another game outside of your division, it means those in division games are, are ever so slightly less critical. Because now they're, they're six of seventeen games, not six of sixteen. It's it's very marginal, um, and of course it does slightly change the strength of schedule because you'll be playing a team that finished in in your division in division position the previous year. So I guess since we're playing Cincinnati, that means Seattle have got to play Baltimore at some point. I guess the division plays the division. Um, I'm not sure how it works. I, I would imagine so because it makes it easier. But yeah, you're right. It makes it's going to be really weird to adjust. Um, we're going to see a bunch of records get broken because one extra game. Uh, the yeah, exactly. 2,000 yard running game is going to be pretty much. Uh, it's going to be a lot easier of an extra game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to impact it. I think towards the end of the season, there's going to be a lot more garbage game and a lot more exciting games. Um, you know, now you've got maybe one or two games that's important and four or five that are really don't have any implications and the other ones are kind of, if this happened, this happened and this happened, you know, uh, then you can make the playoff. I think this the gap's going to get bigger. So the last weekend's going to be... Uh, Maybe more interesting, maybe less. I think depending on the season, it might go either way. But um, it's an extra week of football. I, as fans, we can't really complain about it, can't we? It's one less preseason game, which is awesome because they're terrible. And it's one more Sunday we can watch football all together. And, you know, it only pushes the the Super Bowl one week. So it's not, not the end of the world. Ah, but, when you say only one week, Nadji, that means the Super Bowl is the 13th of February. So Tracy yeah. got very excited when I circled the 14th of February as a day's annual leave in the calendar. <laughs> but when I marked Super Bowl next to it, she was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to yeah. be a relationship tester for sure. Um, luckily, she's on board. She'll come along. She... Yeah. Lee I mean, will buy her a few fireballs on the night of the Super Bowl meet-up. It'll yeah, be fine. definitely. <laughs> what, a, what a perfect perfect thing to do on Valentine's Day. Watch the Super Bowl highlights all day because you've won it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, te- technically for us, it, you know, they, it never kicks off before midnight. So for us, it, it is the 14th. It is. Yeah, right. true. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. Well, I'm going to drop k- that in conversation later, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> very true. 
Why okay, so, so the only other piece of uh, NFL news, and one that, um, to be honest, has really pissed me off, is the Kansas City Chiefs putting in the uh, the rule change for the numbers. So potentially we might see George Kittle moving from number 85 down to number 11. I've waited six months to get um, a George Kittle jersey through with number 85 on. I've never had a chance to wear it yet, and he might end up changing it to number 11. So I'm not yeah. best pleased. Yeah, it's a little weird. I don't really understand why they want to change it. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the same page as you, Lee. I have a Kittle jersey as well. Just look at it a different way. Shows we're real fans. We're retro jerseys. Um, yeah. <laughs> to collect his item when he goes to number 11. <laughs> I, I think it's going to cause a little confusion. You know, when I'm watching the game, particularly the opponent's team, you know, the numbers, if, you, if you're watching your opponent's defence, you see someone between sort of 20 and 49, you know it's the corners and safeties. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's just, to, to me, it, it's, you know, that, that kind of helps me. That's, with, that's with, probably with the, the reason they want to change it. It's to try and mess up with defences and, and re- reading the play and being able to identify what's going on in coverage and all that. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I, it's... It might be on on levels we don't really get because we don't play the game at that level. Um, or the the game I played, you can wear whatever you want um, and play wherever you want, pretty much, apart from the O line. So um, I don't know. It might have implication we don't understand. But if it's if it's to mess mess defenses so they can't read what's going on or mess offenses, and uh, I don't really like it. The game is already complicated enough for defenses um, with the refs and everything. So. Yeah. The, yeah. The only thing I thought is that more guys will be able to carry over their college number, and like yeah. you know, Kittle's Twitter, hang, Twitter handle I think is Kittle forty six, isn't it? From the number yeah. he played yes. in college, and that was immediately I thought, oh, it's some marketing guy who said, oh, it's all confusing now that guys can't play the the number they're known for. I don't know. I, the only I, I seven. The only seven Gracely is Tabor Pepper. Doesn't look like he's given up number forty six with any. <laughs> uh, so we we might be all right. Yeah, it doesn't look as all Kittle wants it either because he did turn around no, and says it looks as bad in the NFL as what it did at college. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah, right. We'll see. There's more more important rules change that might happen, like the the overtime and all that. We're, I'm sure we'll talk about it when when it does happen. When yeah, and if, yeah. One yeah. F, yes. If they uh, if they get them through, perhaps it's a it's a good off season filler, isn't it? Really. Absolutely. Okay, guys, thank you very much for doing the uh, the draft again or rounds two through to four. It was um, quite interesting again. Do you, do you have thank any you. idea how many mocks you've actually done now, Lee? Is it four figures? <laughs> you know what? You know what? I mean, if we're just talking about this year, no, it's definitely in the hundreds. So it's definitely in the hundreds. I've done this uh, this year. But if you add in last year and the year before, you're definitely talking four figures over the last two, three years. Well, I, was, I was very impressed with the one you shared earlier where you seem to the have made about <laughs> four GMs fired. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was quite impressive. I, I basically did that based off uh, uh, somebody's Twitter comment. Um, and they mentioned, oh, yeah, I think we should trade back in the second round and see if we can get like uh, a first rounder next year to replace the first round that we gave up i thought you know what i bet there's a better way of doing that which i showed the <laughs> is so not only did i get five additional uh first round picks over the next two years i also managed to still pick six players and get another couple of uh seconds and thirds for the years after as well yeah so yeah some some wheeling dealing done there definitely a gm job for you somewhere <laughs> <laughs> hopefully 
and and I, I genuinely think we'll we're at the stage we don't need surely that many bodies. I I'd like to see us aggressively move around the board and and get five yeah, players out of the nine picks. Yeah. yeah, and p- pick a bunch of undrafted free agent, you know, because we're good at doing that. Yeah, um, there, there was a big practice squad last season. A lot of those guys suited up for games. So, yep. very true. Okay, thanks once again to everyone that listens to the show. If you haven't done so already, please rate us on iTunes and remember to subscribe to ensure you get the latest podcasts when they are released. Also, check out our YouTube channel by searching for 49 Faithful UK. Until next time, stay safe and go Niners. Go Niners. Go Niners. San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart Like Joe Montana in the corner deep Clark Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99 Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline NDB, greatest owner of all time Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick We're all students and Bill Walsh, don't ever forget